Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Hi, everyone. I'm Cheryl Butler, and you're listening to the Mighty Mommy's Quick and Dirty Tips podcast, which will help make your life as a parent a little bit easier and a lot more fun. Welcome. I'm so happy you can listen in to today's episode, which is number 544, because I have a special guest that's going to talk about his new book, which covers an extremely important topic, inspiring a new mindset around the power of emotions which can ultimately transform our lives. Mark, you've written a heartfelt book, Permission to Feel. You've explained that it combines rigor, science, passion, and inspiration in equal parts. You've said too many children and adults are suffering. They're unaware of their feelings and emotionally unskilled, but they don't have to be. So first, welcome to the Mighty Mommy podcast. I'm so happy to have you on as a guest today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Before we talk about Permission to Feel, can you tell me a little bit more about your personal journey and what inspired you to do this research and write this book? Of course. Um, Firstly, thank you for having me on. And, you know, I had a difficult childhood and um, I realized, you know, as an adult that I didn't have the permission to have my feelings. Um, I didn't know how to label my feelings. I didn't have anyone that I really trusted to talk to about my feelings. And, you know, people think, oh, well, your parents were cruel. And I had good parents. My parents, I knew they loved me. Um, But my mom had a lot of anxiety problems. And, um, you know, she would say things like, you know, don't tell me what's happening. I'll have a breakdown. And, um, you know, you laugh now. But um, what was the message as a kid? It was, don't tell mom what's going on because she'll have a breakdown. So I learned not to talk about my feelings. And then my father was a tough guy from the Bronx. And he always told me, son, you got to toughen up. So you're not going to cry to a dad who tells you you have to toughen up. So essentially, you know, all the bullying and other challenges that I had as a child were kept inside. So my book is about why that's not, you know, the best way for parents to develop their children but also what are the skills you know that parents and children need to be emotionally intelligent yeah i think that is definitely a combination that many households can relate to because you do get a parent that might be just you know really such great intentions doesn't want anything bad for their children 
but just don't know, you know, they're not sure how to deal with it. So they kind of shut it out. And then you've got another parent that's um, taking the complete different opposite approach about, hey, you got to be tough, tough it out. Mm-hmm. That's what life is all about. So you you had both of those things um, yeah, going on. I did. <laughs> a lot of people, I'm sure. Yeah. And, it, you know, everybody has a different childhood. But as I say in my book, um, your life didn't have to be tragic for you to believe that your emotional life only mattered to you. Because we're in a society that is quite phobic about feelings. You know, we see them as being weak, not as being strong. Well, permission to feel is focusing on emotional intelligence. So let's define our terms first. What is emotional intelligence? We use the acronym RULER to describe the critical skills of emotional intelligence, and there are five. And importantly, the acronym RULER represents our own abilities, but also or our self-awareness, but also interpersonally. So for example, it's about recognizing my own emotions and recognizing other people's emotions. It's about understanding the causes and the consequences of my own feeling states, but also understanding others. It's about labeling those emotions, both my own and others. It's knowing how and when to express emotions. And importantly, the last R in ruler has to do with the regulation of emotion having strategies to prevent unwanted emotions, reduce the difficult ones, create or initiate emotions, um, or enhance emotions in oneself and in other people. Wow. Can you tell us um, a little bit more about how the ruler technique can help people, um, parents and kids especially, um, deal with stress and trauma? Of course. Well, I think first, we have to be granular about our emotional life before we can figure out what to do with our emotional life. So what do I mean by that? Well, as a kid, right, today, everybody says they're stressed. No matter where I go, how are you feeling? Stressed, overwhelmed, busy. And then, for example, um, I would interview kids and I'd say, well, tell me what's causing you to be stressed. And in today's world, with the amount of social media that's out there, oftentimes the themes around stress are actually envy. So what I mean by that is that they're saying, well, I'm comparing myself to this person or this one's more, you know, this parents are richer, this one's more successful, this one has more opportunity. And so we use the word stress as this kind of large bucket. Mm-hmm. But how I manage stress, which has no meaning to me, um, versus the strategies I would use to help my child feel or manage his or her envy are quite different. So we say you have to name it to tame it. So by listening to the core themes that children tell us about their feelings, it gives us access to label them accurately and then in turn support them. Wow. And with today's, I keep saying wow, because so much of this hits home um, because I have eight children and I'm amongst many of their friends, um, kids in college, kids out of college. I still have two kids um, in junior high and high school. And when I'm carpooling and taking them places, you can hear the chitter chatter. And that is that you're absolutely right. They're exhausted because they're they're trying to juggle all of this. And then at the same time, when you're talking to them, they're on their electronic devices and they're checking out Instagram and Facebook and they're seeing what the family down the street is doing. And then they're seeing where so-and-so got accepted to college and how, you know, I didn't have grades good enough to get in there. And then uh, so-and-so made the travel soccer team, but I'm lucky I, I made the, you know, sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there. Uh, So 
that will segue me into this next question. Are there common mistakes that you feel parents make um, in their attempts to raise emotionally well-balanced kids? You were just talking about um, listening to them because we're trying to balance stress from envy. So what are some takes there that we could help our listeners with today? I mean, there are so many. You know, one might be don't label your child's feelings for them. Uh, it's a big thing. Why are you so upset? Why are you so angry? Why are you so this? Well, you're not in my brain, so you may not actually know how I'm feeling. And oftentimes, parents misdiagnose feeling uh, from behavior. And I think it's important for parents to know that your child's behavior is not your child's feeling. That we are taught in our world to stomp our feet and yell and scream or whatever it might be when we're feeling lots of different feelings. But if I were like, I hate you, you know, you're going to say, why are you so angry? Which you might not realize is that I'm feeling shame because someone just spit on me on the bus or someone made fun of me and I'm afraid to go to school tomorrow. So the only way I can express myself is by yelling, I hate you, so that um, I get attention. But then, of course, parents get triggered from that. And essentially what happens is the child goes without the support they need because A, parents misdiagnose for behavior, and then B, parents are often triggered right, by their kid's behavior. And essentially, who loses? The child. Right. So how can we how can we fix that? Is there something um, in the example you just gave? Suppose um, bullying is such a common thing now. Uh, Cyberbullying, bullying everywhere. Kids can't get away from it. So if you you did have a child that was just getting picked on that um, might be, um, you know, have acne is is not wearing up to snuff fashion because the family just doesn't have those means. Um, It just doesn't quite fit in with the cool kids and comes home and is just irate and like you just use the example, maybe stomping or just throwing their backpack down. And Mm -hmm. um, what could I as the mom do? um, And when that happens, when my child comes home from school, gets off the bus and that's happening, what would be a better approach? Well, step one is to remember that you are the role model as the parent, that our children are looking to us for how to regulate. And if we don't know how to model effective strategies, our children will never learn them. So that's the first step. I think that's, you can't, you have to know that, that we have to be the role model. So if we're wanting our child to become, we have to demonstrate our ability to become. And um, the second is the concept of being an emotion scientist. So what do I mean by that? Well, we um, have a term, in, I have a term in my book saying, are you an emotion scientist? Or are you an emotion judge? Right, the emotion judge makes the attributions quickly, right? You're yelling, you're screaming, therefore you're angry. The emotion scientist, on the other hand, says, hmm, there's something beneath the behavior. Let me ask the right questions so that I could understand my child's experience, help him or her label their feelings, and in turn support them. So that's two big ones right there. So what would be some questions that wouldn't set our child off if we ask them? Is there, or is there a, a way to ask that's better than another? Like the tone that we use, or um, you know, getting down and sitting down with them, or you know, can you kind of give us a scenario like that? Sure. I think the first step is that if your child is yelling and screaming, it's not the time to ask a question. Okay. Because the air of our brain that's responsible for responding and thinking is really not able to function. 
So what I would say is that you want to give your child some space. You want to do maybe a slight, you know, say, honey, it looks like you're having some strong emotions right now. I just want you to know I'm here for you. Um, but maybe we can take a walk. Let's take some breaths together. Because when you can deactivate, right, their nervous system, then the air of their brain that can help them talk about their feelings becomes more available. Because when we're activated, we go into that fight or flight mode. When we're deactivated, we can do the problem solving. So that's step one, is just if your child is highly activated, you've got to give them space. You've got to deactivate, whether it be breathing, whether it be a big hug, whether it be taking a walk, whether it be, hey, go take five minutes and just go sit in your room or whatever you need to just bring the energy down. And then the questions go back to the ruler skills. So are you LER, recognize, understand, label, express, and regulate? I'm noticing, you know, that you're looking down. I'm noticing, you know, you know, um, that your, you know, your, your, your eyebrows are this way or your, you know, your face is looking this way, your body language. Can you tell me how you're feeling, honey? What's going on? What happened? And then here's the hard part for parents is that you've got to shut up and be the listener. <laughs> um, and it's hard because we want to solve the problem. But you can't solve the problem unless you have the information. And you can't solve the problem anyway. You can only help your child to solve the problem. So then you've got to listen. And then you say, what, what, my, you know, what happened on your way home today? You know, this morning you seemed in a pretty good mood. So my hunch is that something happened this afternoon, maybe on the bus. Tell me a little bit about your day. Oh, okay. Something happened on the bus. You know, okay, now tell me some more. You're telling me that you're angry. But what I'm hearing is that you expected to be able to go to your friend's house today and the parent canceled, which may seem like angry, but you know, there's another feeling and it sounds like you're disappointed. You know, that you had an expectation, you hoped something was going to happen, didn't happen. So we're disappointed. Does that make sense? You know, so you're, you're trying to really be articulate and clear about the experience the child is having to then pinpoint the emotion. Because, let's get into this now, how you would help your child regulate disappointment versus anger are completely different, right? If you're angry, it's typically about an injustice. So something that someone said or did to you intentionally, you know, that was mean or hurtful. Now we have a whole interpersonal thing we have to deal with. If it's disappointment, right, I can just say, well, guess what? It, you know, the mom had to go to work late or, you know, X, Y happened. So we have to manage that. We have to understand that not everything works out. And guess what? I probably going to get, you're probably going to get to go see that parent or that child, you know, your friend, you know, tomorrow or the next day. Do you see here how I'm, I'm being the scientist where I'm listening for the themes, trying to help my child pinpoint the feeling word that's really articulately describing the experience? Because that is a jumping off point for helping the child find the best strategy. Absolutely. So that ruler technique. Once parents get that ingrained with the, with that acronym, that can really be a game changer for so many different scenarios with kids. We have to have the patience, right, as the parent to engage in the patience, right? We have to have the patience as the parent to, to just sit back, to be the listener. And we also have to understand emotions ourselves. So if I don't, as the parent, know the difference between anger and disappointment, I'm not going to know what to listen for. But once I become knowledgeable, which is my, the goal of my book is to teach these things, once I understand that anger is about injustice and disappointment is about unmet expectations, 
then I could listen for the theme of my child's experience to help them label, and as I said, help them regulate. And you mentioned earlier in our interview about envy, uh, stress and envy. So is envy definitely one of the things you feel is just overshadowing how kids are dealing with, with day-to-day scenarios and, and just their life because they're, they're always in comparison mode? Exactly. So here's another issue, right? You, I'm stressed out, I can't, da, 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 da. Oh, well, let's breathe and do mindfulness exercises, which, by the way, are very helpful. However, if I'm living in a constant state of envy, where I'm psychologically comparing myself to everybody else and thinking that this one's going to be better off than I am, this one has better friends than I have, and this one's better looking than I am, and this one has more X, Y, or Z, just doing some mindfulness exercises or breathing exercises is not going to be sufficient. You've got to learn how to restructure your thinking around this. You've got to learn different strategies, like cognitive reappraisal strategies, to tell yourself a different story, because the story you're telling yourself is what's driving you crazy. If there was one piece of advice that you could really drive home with parents and caregivers, even grandparents, because a lot of grandparents are involved with helping raise children these days, that would make the biggest day-to-day impact. Um, I know you just really gave us a beautiful example about you know listening and being calm. What would you close this interview with for families that are, you know, they're really wanting to take this to a different level and really tune in and make a positive difference for their kids so that they don't end up, you know, struggling the way you did and so many other people are struggling? What would you tell them? So I would say, yeah, I have to give you a few. I can't just give you one. (laughs) Sure, we'll take it. (laughs) Um, I think the first is, is going back to the title of my book, Permission to Feel. Your child has to know that they have the permission to feel and experience all emotions, that we don't judge emotions as good or bad. All emotions are valid in our home, and all emotions are safe to talk about. The second is the adult has to be the role model. So if you think it's okay to yell and scream and then tell your child to calm down, you're wrong because children are listening to you, children are watching you, and they're learning from you. So you've got to be the role model demonstrating effective emotion management strategies. The third, I would say, is you've got to have that vocabulary. You just have to have the emotion vocabulary to be granular and specific about your own feelings and also helping your child with their feelings. And then finally, going back to what I said earlier, is try to be the parent who's the emotion scientist, not the emotion judge. So the scientist investigates, is curious. The judge is the knower. The scientist has a growth mindset around learning these skills and building these skills. The judge has a very fixed mindset or a closed way of thinking about these skills. Those are my big tips for today. This has been an incredible interview, Mark. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. You can pick up a copy of Mark Brackett's book, Permission to Feel, at your favorite bookstore, as well as online at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And you can also learn more by visiting Mark's website at www.markbracket.com. That's www.marcbracket.com. Now, before I leave you, I wanted to share a quick preview of what's coming up next week. When your child graduates from college, it's such an exciting time for the entire family. But what about when your college grad walks away with his diploma, but without a job? 
Mighty Mommy can relate, and in my next podcast, we'll talk about ways you can support and help your college grad find a job in his career field. So I hope you'll subscribe to the Mighty Mommy podcast through your favorite platform so you'll get notified when this episode is available. I hope you'll be able to start using some of the terrific tools that we just learned about from Mark Brackett. I think they'll be super helpful for so many of us. As always, thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy parenting. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you lobster mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide.